What's going on, guys? Oh, hello, guys. I'm Alex. And I'm Steve. And this is some Black Series Rebels Thanksgiving leftovers. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We were lucky enough to have Paul Dini on the show two or so weeks ago, and he gave us a little bonus content that we wanted to give to you to enjoy during your Thanksgiving break. Because we're thankful for our audience, and we wanted to give something back. So without further ado, hey Steve. Yeah, Alex? Let's take it to... Interviews. <laughs> so it was about a year after Jedi came out that I got a call that, uh, from Lucasfilm that they were looking for people to write on uh, cartoons based on the, on the characters. So I'd been writing cartoons for a few years and I had been working for most of the studios in Los Angeles, most, all of whom aren't there anymore, like Hanna-Barbera, Filmation, Ruby Spears, a bunch of places like that. And um, I had heard that they were looking for writers to, 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 to work on the Star Wars shows and ideally to relocate to the Bay Area. And I was from San Francisco, from the area, and I thought, oh, it'd be fun to go home for a while and work for these guys and see what uh, George Lucas is really all about and all, all stuff like that. He's not making Star Wars anymore, but he might be making some other stuff. So what happened was I submitted some of my writing with a, with a tape of one of my finished cartoon episodes, and uh, the people up there liked it. The producer, Mickey Herman, liked it a lot, and she said, this, I really like... You know, the, the script worked really well and the way it translated to the finished cartoon was really great and uh, uh, we'd like to talk to you seriously. So I went in and talked to her. I, you know, was a, was a dyed-in-the-wool Star Wars fans. I knew all the characters backwards and forwards. And so very soon after that, I got to go up to Marin County, meet with George Lucas and talk to him about Ewoks and droids. I got to say, George Lucas was the best boss ever. I mean, he really was. He for um, I can't speak to what it's been since 1989, but while I was there from 84 to 89, it was just terrific. And it was a great environment to work with, to work in. He was a great guy to work for. If you needed him, he was there as a resource, but he, he kind of explained like, if you've got the job working here, I kind you kind of know what you have to do, so you shouldn't really need me. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm here if you need me. So we made a point never to bother him with trivia. You know, if there was something big, you know, we would you know let him know. But usually, we kept the thing going pretty, the production going pretty steadily, and we did some development after Ewoks and Droids um, ended to do some other animated shows that never got on the air. But you know, he encouraged us to at least stay. You know, for a couple of years, just develop ideas and come up with new animation because you really wanted to work into that, you know, go into that realm. And uh, it, so he really did foster an environment of creativity because at the same time, you had the games division coming up with things like Maniac Mansion and you had Pixar starting up. And occasionally I would go over and I'd watch John Lasseter and his, John Lasseter, John Lasseter, sorry, sorry John, <laughs> and his team making uh, short cartoons. And I'd sit there watching them render these, like, at that point, they were almost like amorphous shapes, you know, like, a, mm -hmm. and I would say, man, this is like watching Steamboat Willie or, or, or Laughograms or something, because you knew that it was, they would crack it within a matter of months and they would be making, each short they made was going to be, was going to be better and better looking. And when they got spun off into their own entity, then they really went to town and, you know, it, it became what it is then. But it was such a great environment to work in. And, and so he really did. Uh, foster that creativity and also, you know, all the 
all the design Carrie put into the place. It was beautiful. The tech building, the uh, the main house. I'd go down there to use the library or something, and there'd always be a new piece of artwork going up. And uh, you know, um, Maxfield Parish or Wyeth or something. It was just it was great to see a, yeah. a, a creative environment like that. And uh, every Thanksgiving, uh, they would have this big giveaway where they would uh, every employee would get a turkey. You know, they they had a barn there, and then there's a local distributor called Willie Bird, uh, uh, Willie Bird Turkeys. And uh, a day or two before Thanksgiving, everybody would go line up and uh, there'd be a gift, you know, you know nice uh, turkey to take home. And it was just like little things like that were just, were just nice. It wasn't like he was always running around, you know, clapping you on the back or say, hey, how are you? He didn't need to do it. You just, he just sort of made it a, a, a nice place to work. It was like Silicon Valley culture before there was such a thing as like, yeah. Google Silicon Valley culture. It was like yeah. the, the punk rock version of the studio system. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, you know, he worked. Uh, he it was. It, it's sort of like working for a benevolent version of Scrooge McDuck. I mean, you know, he he uh, was uh, kind of a, a you know honest, hardworking guy. And I mean, that's my impression of George Lucas. And the, the fact that he wasn't around, the fact that he wasn't, you know, like the big buddy or big pal, it was you know, spoke to his character that he just trusted you to do a, do a job. There was nothing very phony or, or, or no micromanaging. Uh, no, not really. I mean, if, if, if there was a situation that needed, you know, like this is not coming together or this episode is not looking great, you know, are you available to look at it and maybe suggest some edits or some cuts? He would come in and you'd get his full attention and then he'd go back and, you know, and, mm. and then do what he was doing, which at that point was, producing other people's movies. He was just sort of enjoying being an executive producer on things like uh, um, Willow and Tucker and Howard the Duck and things like that. So, and, uh, and I think he was thinking about just doing small movies again at that point and, uh, um, and just taking some, some time off to be a dad, just enjoy life. And you were working at Lucas during the Indiana Jones era. Yeah, they were just gearing. I, I was there between Indies, between Temple of Doom and Last Crusade. Mm -hmm. So when I was leaving, they were gearing up to do Last Crusade. And that must have been pretty awesome to see how that sausage was made. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see much of it. I just knew that by the time I left, I knew that it was going into production and they had settled on a script. I do remember George being very involved with the script and hearing about different draft after different draft, and it was coming together gradually, like these things take a long time to get going. I was privileged one day to look at the book, which was a book of research that he had put together of great story ideas for Indiana Jones and and treasures and, and everything and mythology and everything. And to know that this was something that... that that he had put together with the, the library researchers and had come up with all these great, you know, ideas for stories and, 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 and locations where they could put indie. And I got to flip through them one day and I'm going like, oh, each one, each, each page is, would make a great movie. Let's just hold so, for a second. Oh my God. Oh, oh that's the coolest thing I've oh, ever heard. Yeah. Oh, that's so I'm not awesome. going to tell you what was on those pages. Oh, no, but, don't. Was but this here? Did 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 the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles? That was a little bit later. That was a little bit later. Okay. That was a little bit later. Okay. Um, but uh, I was actually working for Steven Spielberg on Tiny Toons when that when that happened. But uh, here's Who? the other here's the other Wait, great. Never heard Who? of him. Uh, he's a director. Yeah, oh, he's a, yeah. Did some movie about a about a fish. Um, oh. <laughs> Uh, here's the other great thing about working at Skywalker. It's no Nemo. No, no right. <laughs> um, was, uh, at that time, um, you could check out 
pretty much anything you wanted from the art archives and decorate your office with that. So if you wanted, if there was a favorite Ralph Macquarie painting, you could go and sign it out. You know, it's like, can I get the one of, uh, and what did I have? I had uh, a shot of them all running for the, the X-Wings or something, uh, Yavin Base, I think, and, or a couple of others. And you just sign it out. Okay, I'm going to take Yavin Base. I'm going to hang it on my wall. It's there. You know, and they, they would know where it was. And it would have been low to even, because they were so generous with that, to even think of taking a souvenir. You, mm-hmm. didn't, you wouldn't yeah. want to do it. Because why? They're trusting you with this. And with that trust came a great feeling of propriety that you wanted to preserve things as they were. I had the fertility idol on my desk for a while. My, my, my office used to be Ian Bryce's old office, and he just sort of left it there. And then one day I'm sitting there just sort of tossing it in the air, and somebody came back, oh, oh can we get that back? And it's like, yeah, here it is. And, uh, but How many could, times did you pretend to exchange it with like, every a sandwich? Day, just every like, day, sandwich. Every day. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, Paul hasn't turned in anything today. What's he doing? Oh, oh he's doing, he's doing the, the sand yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my God. No late fees, right? You just got to keep it as long as you wanted in your yeah, office. Yeah, they, they knew where it was, and then you just said, oh, you know, by the time when your job was up, it's like I'm, you either gave it back or you told somebody in archives and they came and picked it up. But one of the one of the Raiders mummy cases was was in our office, and uh, I had a I had a really nice Drew Struzan indie painting in there that was not one of the ones used, but it was it was one of the ones I said, can I can I just borrow? It was like a preliminary, and I can just I have this? Fan you all that those nerd so. sweats. <laughs> but it's like you it, it's yours for a while, and you got to have it and then give it back and uh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was. It was it was incredibly generous, and it, but it was sort of the spirit at the time that you, you know, it, it 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 was it was family without being goopy about it. You know, you just sort of you know like oh yeah, you wanted to take care of the stuff and you wanted to see it well preserved, and there was a feeling of pride that you were allowed to you know. Are be there a part any of it. Uh, Lucas collectibles that you that you do have that you're particularly proud of? Well. Actually, there was a piece of artwork done by the Nelvana crew from Ewoks that I had in my office. And then when I left, I, you know, I sent it to archives. I said, you want this? And then it came back and says, George said you can have it. So he gave it to me. So it's like, oh, really? Thank you. And it's this nice painting. The, the filmation, not the filmation, the, the Nelvana artist had done a wicked kind of staring in the water. And the red Ewok, Asha, is kind of looking at him from the tree. And it was... We did that as like one of the, that was, we knew we were going to do that story. So that was one of the ones we did in presentation art. So I had that. Mm. He said, yeah, he said, you can have it. So it's like, oh, thank you. So that was like the big thing. And, you know, occasionally you get little, little things, but you didn't, you didn't want to take souvenirs really because it's like, it belongs here. Yeah. It belongs in a museum. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And, um. But occasionally, you know, toys would come by, like the, the Kenner toys would come in, they'd, they'd drop a box of them off, so you get to take those home occasionally. And at Christmas, they would always give you a gift, and so there would always be, like, uh, some years it was, like, an ILM watch with the magician on it or a blanket with Lucasfilm on it or some, you know, action figure or toy. It was really nice. Oh, one birthday, I got to go to the toy bay, and my producer said... The way, yeah, wait, wait, the what? The toy bay. It's like... Hold on, hold George on, said you hold on, to the toy, toy bay. Stop, stop, <laughs> stop, stop, toy stop, bay. stop. What is a toy bay? Describe the toy bay. <laughs> How does one get into the toy bay? Does the toy bay still exist? How long does it take to drive there? <laughs> well, for my there? 25th birthday, <laughs> I got to go to the toy bay. And because uh, I was working there, and they said, yeah, your, your present is you get to go to the toy bay. The toy bay was on the ranch, and it was a, um, 
or was it Kerner? It was a Kerner. And it was a big warehouse where they had everything connected to Star Wars. So every product that was ever made with Star Wars, it was like Noah's Ark, is, ho is housed in there. So they said, you can go to the toy bay for, you know, give you three minutes in the toy bay. Whatever you get you to leave the toy bay with whatever you could grab like in three minutes? Or like it's supermarket sweep. It's supermarket sweep with most... Super, oh my God! That supermarket exists. sweep. It, it was like you—you you are Indian the temple going in there. No, 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 no. What can I? What can I load up on? And but I, but I, because it was like a real privilege, I just went in and I was like, uh, okay, large size IG88. Okay, uh, Leia with a combable hair. Yep, I'm done. Just took those two. Oh my God! What would you get if you go in the toy bay? I would get uh, um. A Minton box, Bespin Luke from Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Or a, a Falcon, a Millennium Falcon. Yeah. yeah. Those yeah. would, that would, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't even be able to handle it. I would freak out. It was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was great. It was, it was so nice that I just felt like, I know these two are kind of collectible items, but I, I kind of want them and I'm just going to hold it to these. So, IG-88, Princess Leia with a combable hair. What would you get? That was it. What would I get? Uh, I would get the remote control. Um, I don't know the name right now. The the, the sand crawler. Oh yeah, it's, uh, it's it's the memory I have of when my brother first brought his toys down for me to play with was 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 that sand crawler. Um, and then I'd have to go with. Uh, I'd have to go with a falcon. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. That's I, like that is the ship to end all ships. Yep. You get a Vlix on the card. Ooh. Vlix from Droids, the henchman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It can't be had. can't oh. be had. I, have ah. you heard of this thing? Um, we're not super big yeah. into vintage figures, but yeah. have you heard of this thing that's very popular? What's that? With the old droid C-3PO's? Is apparently, because they are made, they were made all over the world, yeah. you, the metal vac ones, uh -huh. you can drop them into a chemical, which clearly is like blasphemy to take that metal vac yeah. off. But the crazy part is, they have all sorts of wacky colors. So really? you can find like a purple arm, lime green body. Yes. Like the, wow. the plastics they use don't match. So it's kind of this like become this fun bootleggy thing to do if you've got a real beater huh. C3PO. Is you drop it into this chemical and you see what wacky plastic combinations there are. We're not encouraging that you damage vintage Star Wars figures. Is that how he got the red it. arm? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And He's like, oh, they dropped me into it. Some collector picked me up <laughs> yeah. and ruined me, and now I got this red arm. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I hadn't heard that. I mean, it's, uh, God, there's such, I, I, was, I collected everything for a long time, and I had so many, I had all the action figures that came out, and I remember even when the first movie came out, I went out and bought as many as I could, because they were just, they were just so neat, even though they were weird, like the lightsaber came out of their arm or something Noodle, like that. noodle saber. Noodle yeah. Telescoping. Telescoping one. Yeah. 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 It was just, it was just weird, but uh, that stuff was really great. I, I liked the large size figures, the large size Boba Fett and Vader, and had no. all those guys. I read your uh, graphic novel, Dark Knight, by mm. the way, which was Thank Incredible. Yes. I absolutely loved it. And you talk a lot about the role collectibles played in your life. Yeah. How sort of like as a child they were they were kind of like your armor. They sure. were like your these yeah. characters were like what you came in to absorb yeah. in your life. What did it mean to you to start working on properties where you could gift kids 
with those types of things. Oh like, yeah, it was great. I mean, it was it was it, like I would like when the Ewok figures came out. I, I would I I gave every kid you know a set of those. I mean, they had they knew Wicket and the, from the movie. They didn't really know the other ones and the Dulocks. You know, Bob Caro and I came up with with you know those those guys and so like here's King Gorniche, you know here's <laughs> Lady Urga, you know and. And uh, it's like, what are these? And it's like, well, these we are... will do a King Gorniche action figure yeah. pin. Like, we will oh, do it. Oh, yeah. Let's do a King Gorniche. It's going to happen. King Gorniche, man. <laughs> was like, I, like, I like that guy. He's a good stumble bum villain. You know, they were supposed to be just kind of like clowns, but I always thought he was, uh, he, he, he was a lot of fun. Those three Dulocs were like the core Dulocs were a lot of fun to write and, and fun to have. What's one of the, what's, what's a, like one of the most fulfilling moments you've had? in your life as a creative? Is it going to cons and seeing people dressed as Harley Quinn? Is it just knowing that there are people out there that enjoy the work? Or is it just doing the work? It's doing the work. Yeah? It's, it's getting the opportunity to continue doing the work. Is Whether it's on my own stuff or or somebody else, if somebody calls me and says, you know, you want to write a story or, or you want to come in and pitch something. And, you know, there, there's always that new challenge and everything. It's, it's a lot of fun to just keep doing it. When I'm in the middle of doing it, I hate it the most because it's like fighting like this 30 foot long anaconda that's killing you. Every story is is like an anaconda. It's just wrapping itself around you and smothering you and you just have to kind of just squeeze its head until it lets go and then once it lets go that means I'm done with the story. But mm -hmm. in the middle of it it's like wrestling a, a monster. But doing that said it's it's fun. Once, once, it, once the story takes shape and you're kind of going through it and when it's done and you've, you're happy with it that's a great moment and so uh, you know you, you just for me personally I just that's the high is once I'm done and I and I can kind of walk away from it put it on a shelf and then look forward to something else something mm -hmm. new to do that's that's the most satisfying and you know when somebody will come up to me and say oh, I liked I liked something you wrote or they uh, uh, you know whether it's a Batman episode or a book or Dark Knight or something like that it's always it always means a lot so which yeah. of all your characters is there one in particular that you're like, I love sitting down with this character and putting that put making them come to life. Is it the Joker? Joker's awfully good. Harley's awfully good. Some of my characters like Jingle Bell are awfully good. You know, sometimes I'll go years without running a Jingle Bell story. You know, she's a Christmas character of mine. But when I've got a good one, I just love it. You know, because mm -hmm. it's like very close to mine. Boo and hiss. I'm. I'm yeah. loving like that. You know, so uh, I, I can't say I have a favorite character or a favorite story. It's whatever I'm doing at the moment. Yeah. Is, is always the next one is going to be the favorite one. <laughs> so, Do you ever see yourself contributing again to the Star Wars universe? That is up to other folks. And, you know, it's like if, if it happens, it happens. I'm always happy when it comes my way. And it's always usually a surprise, like the last time was writing the, the story for, uh, from a different point of view, and it was just fun to do. So I just, I just look upon the Star Wars universe as something I just drift into every once in a while. And when I find myself there, I always have fun. And, and, uh, but I never stay too long. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, it's, uh, it's, I did my, my, my tour of duty for four years there, and I had a lot of fun. And when it comes back, it's, it's always, it always feels like home. And, then I'm off to something else again. But I, you know, I love it. If if it came, if I felt like I couldn't contribute anything to it, if I felt like the characters were not for me, or the story was too dry, or it was just 
I felt I was a bad match, I wouldn't do it. But, you know, I, I usually like everything connected with Star Wars to some degree or another. Now, you, you've spoken a little bit about how you wrote the Boba Fett story for from a certain point of view. Uh-huh. Did they let you pick what character you wanted to write? Yep. And I said, I want Boba Fett. And they said, he wasn't in the movie. I said, yeah, he was, special edition. Go, oh, yeah, he was. It's canon, remember? Yeah. And it's like, well, what's your take on it? It's like, well, it's like Kevin Smith and Clerks. I'm not supposed to be here today, you know? It's like Dante in, in the movie. It's like, I wasn't supposed to work today, and I got called in. And they said, all right, that's funny. So well, it's like, he's, he wasn't supposed to be here. And Java said, I got to shake down some creep. It's like, can you be there? Docking Bay 94. I guess I'll be there. Who is it? Oh, Solo? Jesus Christ. Biggest loser in the galaxy. Come on. What a phony. Oh, God, Java, I'm charging you double for this. So, I mean, just like that. I mean, it's almost like a stand-up routine. You you just kind of kind of write it in your head, and you, you just sort of freeform it. I don't care if it's canon or not. It's just it just it just was just amusing. And uh, so something like that, when you can put yourself in the heads of these characters, or it's it just is it, sort of fun. I thought, you know, I'll do that. I got three pages out of that. What are you looking? If you had to hope for something that would happen in The Last Jedi, the upcoming Star Wars movie, what's what's something you're like, oh man, I really want to see them go there with this story? I want to see them kick Kylo Ren's ass. <laughs> I want to see them kick it across the galaxy from one end to another. I want to see that little squirt uh, <laughs> cry for bumping off Solo. and yeah. As a storyteller, yeah. do you think that after um, him doing what he did to Solo, uh-huh. Do you think there's any way that that character can be redeemed in the course of the next two movies? Not unless it in involves an incredible amount of self-sacrifice, almost like a martyrdom of like I'm killing myself mm -hmm. for the greater good, like Vader or something like that. That character is pretty irredeemable, and I don't I don't see ever really being a big Kylo booster. I don't think he could ever really make that situation. You don't right. think the 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 resistance is going to be like, oh, you're good now, come back, great. No, I mean, like, you know, he's he's not going to get out of this by just saying, you know, giving him a card. My bad. I'm sorry. About sorry, that. I killed your son. You know. Yeah. yeah. I got a shout out to my friend Taryn Killam, who wrote the most brilliant that that brilliant sketch on SNL. Yes. <laughs> that that was so. That was so. That was my favorite thing connected with a new hope. Was <laughs> was that uh, Kylo Ren is the boss sketch? Uh, uh, it was yeah. really brilliant. It was brilliant. But uh, you know, he could redeem himself if he does some you know tremendous act of good. But it, it's he's it's got to die doing it. He's got to die doing it. You know, it's like whatever he's done. That's the the one thing about the Star Wars uh, about whatever he did and whatever he came to blows with Luke in the past is they can't really show that unless. They do a lot of digital trickery to, uh, you know, erase 20 years and, and, and show what happened. So a lot of what he did is, is discussed rather than seen. But still, he's he blown up planets. He's killing his guys right and left. He's, he's uh, killed his dad. It's pretty, pretty nasty. Well, always, too, tumor. when I think about Kylo and whether yeah. or not he can be redeemed, I always think about what would it say Vader doesn't die. Right in Return of the Jedi, because there's a lot of folks that really do think Kylo can be redeemed, and I'm curious right. to see if they can convince me of that and pull it off. But I always go, let's say Vader throws Palpatine off, he doesn't die, and it's like I don't think he's having a catch with Luke after that. Vader's probably like, listen, I'm a monstrous human. Thank you for showing me there's something good. I'm gonna go off here and never be seen. You got again. five minutes to get your yeah. butt out of here. Yeah, and, like uh, he's not gonna like go down with Luke and be like. Leia. 
no. let's be buddies now. And I think no. that's one of the things we forget, right? Especially yeah. with Kylo. Yeah. Is we have two movies, and this is the second movie. This is the one where yeah. we thought killing Han was we thought killing Han was bad. Yeah. He's got to double down. I mean, yeah. we're, in, we're in the second one. He's going to do some terrible shit well, in this movie. We know. We know how. We know that, that Leia's not going to be in the third one for yeah. a variety of reasons, but uh, I don't, I'm not even going to speculate what happens there. But it's like, uh, it would be, uh, I, I don't know. I'm more interested in seeing what happens with Luke in this one and see what his journey Grumpy is. Grumpy Luke. Grumpy Luke. Your yeah. boy, Mark. Grumpy my, Luke. My boy, Luke. <laughs> yeah, he's a, uh, it's, it's going to be, oh, I, I sent him, I asked him for a quote for A Dark Knight, and he said, oh, yeah, send it to me. So I, I sent it to him while he was in England. And, um, uh, the next day, I I, I get a, a an email back from him, and it's like, I have you to thank and to blame for um, blowing all my cues today because I stayed up all night reading your damn book, which is brilliant. And I mean, he really <laughs> loved it. Aww. But the next day, he was absolutely useless on the set because he's he started. He's I was just going to flip through a page or two, and I sat there reading the entire thing, and I stayed up too late. And the next day, so I wrote a script page for him. I said, Here, here's your makeup script page. Ray, the way of the forces. Oh, I'm sorry, Daisy. I read this damn comic book. Can we go again? <laughs> He's like, I wish we'd go back to the Force Awakens where I didn't say anything. Yeah. I He's sitting in his like, hotel room all, you know, for six months while they're filming a movie. I, I, you know, actually, I saw him like a few months before he went off to start shooting, and he's like, he's like in weight training, and he's eating nothing. <laughs> Misty and I went to his house, and it's like, do you want to go to dinner? He says, No, we can't go out. I'm gonna, he, we'll have some plain tuna fish here because I'm just doing protein and everything, and and now I've got to, and and uh, he was just getting ready to work with J.J. Abrams, and so he was just starting to get start the process and then it was months of the process and then actually filming and then and then he it's like i didn't even get to say anything i just stood there <laughs> it was like a great trick like we need to give mark like four solid years to get back into luke shape so yeah. let's just he won't even talk he was in good shape it. before i mean yeah. he could have done it i mean you know and he's wearing a He's wearing a, you know, a, he's got a, the a caftan, yeah. you know? <laughs> Meanwhile, he's hanging out in Ireland going, I can't even have a goddamn Guinness. <laughs> no, no. It's like, yeah. Those porgs are starting to look pretty good. <laughs> protein. Yeah, there you go. It's just protein. Paul, thank you thank so, you so much, much for oh, throwing pleasure. a little bonus content in for the show. Oh, yeah. Happy Man, to do it. Man, we are just so thrilled to have you here, and you've done so many fantastic things for the Star Wars thank universe. You. Something that has... Inspired us to get well, super sweaty in an office. So thank you, and I know all the fans out there. Thank you thank for you. what you've contributed. I mean, I, like I said, I love Star Wars. I love working there. Uh, like the folks there currently, it's 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 always a great place to uh, I, the, to find myself in occasionally. So yeah, it's great. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you guys so thank much for so tuning much. in to this little bonus content. You guys check out Paul on social media. The links are in the show notes. And remember, may the force be, be with you. you. Thank you guys so much for tuning into our Thanksgiving Leftovers episode. We really appreciate you guys spending your holiday with us. But we also wanted to remind you that on Cyber Monday, November 27th, we are going to be releasing all of our sold-out action figure pins for a very limited time for everyone that hasn't been able to complete their collections. So if you need a farm boy, a beep boop, a goldenrod, a breathing noises, a cinnamon buns, a scoundrel, a walking carpet, a teeny, a fist pumps, you name it, the whole gang will be up on Cyber Monday. Doesn't matter how sold out they were, we're now going to have very limited numbers. So if you guys need to catch up, just go to blackseriesrebels.com 
backslash shop on Cyber Monday, November 27th at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. They're gonna be up for a very limited window. This time, once they're gone, they're gone. And as always, thank you so much for all of your support and getting all of our merch and supporting our show. And so with that, may the force be with you. Thanks for checking out the show. And if you liked what you saw, remember to hit subscribe. And if you're listening to us over on iTunes, please give us a five-star review. If you guys want to support the show, you can check out our merchandise shop. Every order that we sell goes right back into helping us make this show. And remember, tell your friends. May the force be with you.